Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Recovery Talk, a podcast from the Peer Recovery Center of Excellence. I'm your host, Shannon Roberts. Each month, we will be talking with an expert in the field discussing substance use disorders, resources to assist individuals with an SUD and or their families, and best practices for the delivery of peer recovery support services. In this episode, we speak with Lori Johnson-Wade about her recovery journey. In addition to serving on our steering committee, Lori is the co-founding director of Lost Streams Awakening, a recovery community organization in Pennsylvania, and an advanced implementation specialist with the Opioid Response Network. She brings over 30 years of lived recovery experience to the revolutionary and rewarding work of recovery support services. Named 2020's Advocate of the Year by the Pittsburgh Recovery Walk, Lori is passionate about advocacy and seeks to integrate diversity, equity, and inclusion into all systems of care. Without further ado... Let's get talking. Well, Lori, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I'm so excited to have you and hear your story. For our listeners, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Thank you, Shannon. Uh, I'm Lori Johnson-Wade. I'm a woman in long-term recovery since 1991. So I've been on this journey a little over 30 years. In May, it'll be 31. And I am a founding director of a recovery community organization, and I am part of the steering committee for the Peer Recovery Center of Excellence on the Workforce Development Core Team 3. Awesome. Thank you. Well, before we jump right into it, I kind of like to ask folks, why is this work? Why is the recovery field? Why is peers Why is this work important to you? Well, Shannon, it's important because it's uh, part of who I am. Um, I'm living my best life through this process and journey called recovery. And it's possible. It's important that people know that, that hope is imparted. It's one of the core recovery principles And um, I would like this to be something that is available to anybody who has ever suffered with the disease of addiction. Beautifully said. So I guess we can jump right into it. Talk to me about the start of your recovery journey, whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Well, I got what they call a nudge from the judge. Um, (laughs) Other people have different ways that they embark upon this, but given my personality, I have a very strong personality, and I had to kind of come to a place where I was given an ultimatum, and I was told you will either embark upon this journey and um, grab hold of it, let it take hold, Or you can go to a women's facility that they use bars. And I said, you know what? I think that recovery journey is looking better and better. (laughs) And so um, I was, uh, I don't think there's really any wrong pathway to access recovery. Um, Some people may disagree. I don't believe there's a wrong way to get into this process. And I'm glad I did. And, and I've been on this journey since 1991, all with an ultimatum. 
And I never really thought, Shannon, quite frankly, I knew intellectually that I had to do it. But in my heart, I didn't know how I was going to do it. So I sought out a community of people like myself uh, to belong, to participate, and to be shown, like, how to do this. I didn't know. I, it doesn't come, recovery doesn't come with a handbook that says, uh, do the, you know, uh, it's like a recipe. Um, eventually I found that, but initially I was clueless. I was afraid. I didn't, I didn't know that I could do this. So yeah, I'm just glad that it took. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know, I know you and I have only started working with each other for a short while, but you know, you, you said it yourself, you have a very strong personality and I, and I gather that whenever Lori Johnson Wade decides to do something, she goes all in. I just can't imagine you doing it any other way. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I am a passionate person. I'm a dreamer. Um, I'm, uh, I'm not a lukewarm investor. Um, I'm, yeah, it's either I'm on or I'm off. That's my personality type. And when I discovered that this really was beneficial to me, it made sense. You know, it made sense. I said, oh, tell me more about me. You know, now as you stay in this process, you become less um, self-centered and more other-centered. But initially I was hooked by, okay, I'm hearing some things that I really identify with. And who's been spying on my private life, right? <laughs> and then, so that kind of hooked me into continuing in the process. But as I did, I realized that this was all about giving back and serving those who may think that it wasn't possible. Hence my, hence what I do. My whole life is dedicated to this. Precisely. Lori, I'm curious. I know you, um, you're a founder and runner of all the things, um, but I'm thinking specifically about your RCO right now. And I, I wonder, was that something that was available to you or part of your personal recovery journey? Okay. So the, the uh, unfolding of this whole thing came from volunteering for another RCO in Pittsburgh. Uh, so they would have like recovery walks and recovery celebrations. And so I became involved as a volunteer. And it was really exciting to see that these gatherings were taking place and that this was at the time when the movement of recovering out loud really was taking hold and people were coming out of the shadows into the light. And so um, I started by volunteering for another organization who uh, message carriers of Pennsylvania who no longer exist. They actually closed their doors and turned the reins over to us, which is ironic because uh, they showed us the way and then they turned it over to us. Um, but yeah, you know, being in community, it really made all the difference to know you're not alone. There are others. Uh, you can encourage one another. 
Um, if one feels um, tired in this process, then you have others that will hold your arms and kind of move you along. And so, yeah, yeah, it was it was one of the things where I really got in it to help somebody else. And I ended up helping myself the most. Can you speak a little more about what what starting your own RCO looked like and what that? Oh, girl. You, I mean, it, it can. <laughs> I was going to be. I was going to say it can be nuts and bolts, or it can be the emotional journey. Okay, so in two thousand nine, we hosted our first recovery walk, modeling what we had been shown by our mentors, and um, people came. So this is yay! This is fabulous. And then we start talking about this idea of it. My husband is also in long-term recovery. And so we start talking about uh, our community and what we could do for our community. And in 2004, we actually established our RCO, Lost Dreams Awakening, as a 501c3. And we got a building because some RCC, some recovery community centers do not have physical locations. They only gather and meet, but we knew that we needed to have a physical location. So we are strategically located in a block that's called Recovery Row. And the reason they call that is there are three outpatient facilities, two uh, MAT clinics, and a harm reduction facility all in one block. We are all in the same block. It's called Recovery Row. And so uh, people start coming. We do about 10,000 visits um, a year. One of the things that we have not been able to achieve is to be uh, fully funded. So we are as grassroots as you get. We're open seven days a week. Uh, we don't charge for our services. Um, all volunteers um, at the table. Um, I do believe that people should be paid for their work. However, um, we've had a small foundation contributions, and we have some philanthropic folks that has allowed us from time to time to have some recovery coaches hired. Um, but we're pretty much as grassroots as you get a lot of spaghetti dinners and car washes. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it, but we maintain our sense of community. You know, we really do. Um, we are, um, authentic to our mission. There's not a lot of mission drifting that occurs because we're not beheld to certain agendas and dollars. So we have freedom, but it is constant work. It's constant work. And of course, um, you know, we have to have other jobs because uh, we can't draw, you know, an income from this, but we got to keep the doors open. And one thing you said, and I'll, I'll echo this, I am determined to never let these doors shut. And so whatever that looks like, if, and we've had rummage, set, we've had everything you could possibly have you know, art shows and uh, everything, but we just mm -hmm. keep going. We just keep going. It's an amends to our community where we did harm. We now amend and we heal and we uh, impart hope. I love that. And I, I think it speaks to one thing I, 
I think most of our listeners know I I'm not someone with lived experience, mm-hmm. um, but long-term ally. And one thing yep. I just find so incredibly powerful about folks who are in recovery, and I agree, whatever that looks like, or that's defined by the individual, there's such a powerful resiliency that is just so it's honestly magical to me. And maybe that sounds kind of cheesy, but it really is just no one else has it. I absolutely agree that our greatest strength in the recovery community is resiliency. And it is a strength. Mm-hmm. It is a strength. Uh, we absolutely. do. We use a strength based approach. So we always tell people what's right with them versus what's wrong with them. And resiliency is at the top of the list. You know, the Mm -hmm. ability to come back. We're blessed. We get to live uh, sometimes two, three lives in one life. (laughs) Yeah, and it is magical. That's the Mm thing. I always say, um, you know, I do some work with uh, data and research folks. And I always say, I want you to measure miracles because (laughs) we're in the business of, of dealing with miracles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's the most unlikely folks. You can't call who's going to make it. You can't, you know, yeah. and then we treat everybody regardless of where they're at. We treat mm-hmm. everybody with dignity, respect, you know, um, honoring where they're at. So that goes a long way. People don't forget that. They really don't. Mm-hmm. And, and, You know, that's just treating humans with the respect and dignity that they are just by being a human on this earth deserve. Yes. That's, that's that magic. Right. And that's, I mean, whether you struggle with substance use challenges or mental health, you're right. That's what sticks. What you remember about people is how they make you feel right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, our allies, our family members, they're precious to us. Um, This is, this is, and I often say this, my husband's name's Vaughn. This is not the Laurie and Vaughn show. This is a community (laughs) working together. It takes, nobody is more important than another. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about we how we collectively work together. And Shannon, uh, we came up with a new recovery pathway called Ubuntu Recovery. And I was that, just about to ask you to talk about that. Sure. It means I am because we are. And it embraces the whole idea of community that we need to work together in order to achieve what needs to be done for the whole. And when you take care of the whole, you uh, um, ultimately take care of the individual. And it does not mean we believe in unity, but not necessarily uniformity. So we embrace all differences. You don't have to be black to belong while it is an African philosophy. Mm -hmm. We want everybody to belong. We recognize that all cultures have had adversity and had to overcome certain things. And when you bring all that into community, then you have the true essence of Ubuntu. And it is um, saying that I am a human because I relate to you. 
and nobody is more valuable than another. Yeah. So it, it, it works. It works. And so I've seen what's necessary. Um, and, and here's another thing. I partner with whoever is going to move people forward. Um, we very often operate in silos. That does mm-hmm. not serve the whole. We need to operate collectively, bringing all resources together. You know, in um, the Ubuntu way, if somebody makes a mistake, the village will get that person, bring them to the center of the village, and they affirm that person for two days straight, telling them there's good in them, that uh, their mistake was a cry for help. It does not mean that they don't take personal responsibility for themselves, but it's about affirming what's good in an individual so that they then become a healthy part of the whole. So it, it it's on a higher frequency. It's bringing out the best of humanity. It absolutely what? is. Wow. I, can, can you imagine doing that in like postmodern American culture? That's completely well, the opposite of how we often function. Let me say this. There is no word in the English language that properly articulates the concept of Ubuntu. There's no English word. It is a uh, spirit, if you will, of well, uh, of, of um, humanity, the best of humanity. It's a paradigm shift. And so it is challenging to be able to articulate the essence of this in this Western civilization. But I am committed to do it. I'm committed to have, we meet in uh, what's called Ubuntu recovery circles. Everybody can join. It brings in um, core recovery values like home, health, purpose, community, gratitude, honesty, fairness, dignity, respect, all that's good about us, all Mm -hmm. that's good about us. And then we nurture one another in community. Man, I love that. I mean, these are all these are all foundational characteristics, not only of recovery, but also who I know you to be, Lori. And I'm so curious about the beginning of creating creating that pathway for your community. How I mean, what was okay. what were those beginning days and discoveries like? Well, the catalyst for it was looking at how we operate in silos, how divided we have become, and our need for unity. Um, Very often, what do they say? Um, Necessity is the mother of invention, right? And we need healing. We need unity. We need that. And so I was looking at some different uh, philosophies, and Ubuntu seem to serve us the best. And I said, boy, you know, I'm a dreamer. Of course, I'm a dreamer. I'm not trying to be Pollyannish. But there are other cultures that live by this philosophy. And they are not as sophisticated as we are. They don't have resources like we do. But they believe that we take care of one another and we're all taken care of. 
And so um, it is not, there are some challenges, you know, um, not everybody is willing to sacrifice um, their self to be a mm -hmm. part of the collective whole. Um, mm -hmm. But once you do, you're better, you're, you're better for you, you know, you're better for you. And so it's kind of bringing the best ingredients um, into the circle, into the circle and say, we're all going to have, and let me tell you, there's a little story where um, there was an outsider in an African village looking at this philosophy. And he told children, there were children there. He said, I'll tell you what, I have this big basket of goodies. He said, the first one to get to this basket wins it. And he was amazed that these children all gathered hands and went together, circled the basket, and nobody touched it till they all were in position to access it. And he said, why did you do that? And they said, because that's how we live. If, one, if we all can have, none of us will have. And so I thought that was beautiful. It is. And not, wow, what not, a sweet story. Yeah, not uh, kids now. Oh, I want that. Give me that. Right. I, well, gosh, myself, I'm thinking six-year-old Shannon would have been throwing elbows to get to the basket. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank God for maturity because I think Laurie would have too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Lori, remind, I know you are in Pennsylvania. Are you in Pittsburgh proper? I am 20 miles outside of Pittsburgh. I live in a very interesting place. Um, I live in the suburbs. But mm -hmm. I have 20 minutes either way to rural Pennsylvania or urban Pennsylvania. So I live in a very interesting community. It takes me 20 minutes to get to downtown Pittsburgh. As a matter of fact, I'm going there this evening. Um, and then I can be on a farm the opposite <laughs> direction. So I, I live in a very interesting geographical area. And Pennsylvania is a very beautiful state. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what, how I'm situated and, um, you know, I'm very proud to say we were the first RCO in our County. And so we serve now, of course, having message carriers, folks, we, mm -hmm. which was situated more in Pittsburgh. We have more of an influx now, um, of folks from the city, but we got folks coming from the country tonight. So, yeah, that's kind of why I was asking. I was so, I, I'm still thinking about recovery row and how, gosh, every city should have that, every, you know, again, talking about access. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of curious about the, the landscape there as far as. It's different. Yeah. It, it's different. We have kind of the best of all worlds, I guess, except uh, now we have a lot of snow and it's about two degrees. I will hold my tongue about complaining about my hands being cold right now. <laughs> yeah. <honey. laughs> uh. Lori, what's, when you look forward to the future, what, how do you see, how do you see your legacy? And, and you said you don't ever want those doors to close for lost dreams awakening. 
Well, let me tell you, Shannon, I am also the family member of a recovering daughter. My daughter is in recovery. And um, I went through some very dark hours in um, hoping and praying that she would find this way of life. And um, as a matter of fact, I, I was active in grandparents raising grandchildren, GAP, the GAP, uh, I started the GAP Association here in Western Pennsylvania, which is grandparents as parents, because I was raising my grandchildren. And so now my daughter is going on her third year in recovery. Uh, she awesome works in, yeah, she works in the field. Her children, uh, she provides a home for her children. Um, it is. I actually can be a grandmother now instead of a surrogate mother, so to speak, because that it was those roles were um, kind of absurded due to addiction. Um, So now that she's on um, on this recovery journey, she has a great interest in the center. And so we are trying to shape and groom her without putting too much on her because we still have a lot of work to do. But we know that we have somebody that we can pass the baton to. Um, And she likes the work. She uh, is a certified recovery specialist. She's a recovery coach. She's a a peer specialist. Um, And so that's a hope for us, but we're always grooming someone because the greatest tragedy would be to um, not prepare somebody else to take over, you know? So that is, I'm not um, oblivious to that. I'm not ignorant to that. Um, I won't live forever, you know, and um, this work, continuing for posterity is really critical to me. Um, So I try to keep things written down. Um, Of course, this landscape changes so rapidly. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I tell my daughter all the time and she works with youth um, uh, that have had uh, adversity I tell her all the time, you got to read, you got to stay up on everything. You've got to make sure that you're staying on the cutting edge of what's happening in this movement because you'll blink and it'll be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of my, that. what I know, Shannon, is this, that when I leave this earth, it, I will leave a void. I will leave a void and it, and it's in a positive way. And so I am really grateful that I'm able to make my mark and I don't take that lightly. I'm dedicated to recovery and the people in it and the families and the, I'm dedicated, I'm dedicating my whole life to this, you know, because I believe in it that much. And I also am the recipient of the benefits of recovery my life. I wouldn't have this life. I wouldn't have this life if it were not for recovery. So I owe, I owe this. It's my reasonable service 
to do this work. And it's kind of my assignment too. You know, I believe uh, in the divine. And so I believe that this is my assignment, my husband and I, eyes uh, together. And so, and which is interesting because we were both in active addiction together. And it's, it, it's almost like a fairy tale story, but one you don't want to choose, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't want to choose that. But uh, as, as, um, you know, as uh, the universe would have it or, or, or creator would have it, we both made it. We made mm-hmm. it. We made it out of that. And we are now both serving together. So it's kind of like this, um, yeah, I don't know, kind of a spin on a fairy tale. <laughs> but we're living our best <laughs> I life. I think that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing and thinking about <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> I, you know, maybe I would agree. I hear you that the story of addiction and finding recovery, that's certainly not um, something we'll probably ever see in a Disney movie. But I think the the piece about living your best life and really thriving and cultivating a life you choose, because I think so much about addiction and substance use challenges is all about being stripped of that, your agency. Um, yes. I think the the power to choose and the thriving and the building of that life, that's the fairy tale because that's the dream. You nailed it. You got it. You get it. <laughs> See, these, you're the type of allies I'm talking about celebrating. <laughs> you get it. And that's exactly right. I, I can't add anything to that. That's exactly right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I know Vaughn's not here, so we don't have to talk about him or on him if you're uncomfortable with that. But I'd love to hear a little bit about, it's a bit of a gym that you were in active addiction with someone and maintained the relationship through recovery. That's yeah. pretty extra incredible. It can you speak is. a little bit to that? I can because it all, let me say this, all the glitters ain't gold. Okay. <laughs> it was a process. When I went to treatment, I went first. Um, my, my marker date is May 30th of 1991. And my husband is August 5th of 1991. So that space, that span of time was very difficult. That was a very painful time in waiting to see if the miracle was going to occur for him too. But in Mm -hmm. that time, I had made a decision that no matter what, I was going for recovery. And remember, Shannon, I had that nudge from the judge. So I had that as a um, incentive, right? And Mm -hmm. I not afford to go in any other direction. Um, so I had told him, I said, uh, you're going to either come on board or I'm going to have to go this journey without you. And it wasn't long after he said, Hey, I'm coming too. don't forget about me. <laughs> and so he came on board. So, um, one thing I can say about him, because we were really out in the streets. Let me say that. We were really out in the streets. We were bad um, in terms of our living situation and our uh, the depths that 
the disease of addiction took us. But mm -hmm. then when we got into recovery, little by little, we started building our lives, right? And we both went to school. Uh, we actually went to the first school together, um, a business, a junior college, and uh, he got a dual degree in accounting and microcomputers, and I got one in health administration. And then um, he worked for some time. Then he went back to school and he ended up getting his um, bachelor's degree. Um, and then he went and got his master's degree. And then lo and behold, he got a PhD. Just okay. It's <laughs> a miracle. That's a miracle coming from yeah. where we came from. And he went, I graduated with his master's and PhD from Duquesne University. I don't know if you know anything about that university in Pittsburgh, but it is a, it's prestigious. And so, and he maintained top grades the whole time. That, is, that blows my mind. You see what I'm saying? That blows my mind. And so now I'm married to a doctor. We have a, a, a running joke and uh, he says, oh, you're married to a doctor now. And I said, yeah, if you weren't married to me, you wouldn't be a doctor. <laughs> so anyway, Love it. we make we make light of it, but um, we do pride ourselves and not pride. That's the wrong word. We're very mindful to stay the right size because. Uh, we recognize that this is a gift. Um, some people, um, for whatever reason, do not have this experience. And we don't take that lightly. I really don't. I don't take my recovery for granted. I'm thankful every day. Every day. And I have seen people with, you know, uh, many decades return to use for one reason or another. And I'm just grateful that that has not been my story because I have people who rely on me. My grandchildren rely on me. My children rely on me. My community relies on me. And not to mm -hmm. say that they wouldn't be supportive, but I just, I, I like this reality. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because this right here is, that's the fairy tale, right? That's already it. talked about it. <laughs> Living a dream. I only dreamt of this. You know, there were days, dark days, Shannon, that um, I dreamt of these days. I dreamt, I, it, this is beyond my wildest dream, but there, I just wanted to be out of the grips of active addiction. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted to have some direction for my life, purpose for my life. And I have that. I have that and I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. It shows. It really shows. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yes, ma'am. Well, Lori, really the only other question that I can, I, I mean, I don't script these because that's I okay. get weird and robotic if I have it scripted, but one of the, <laughs> and no one needs to hear that, but, <laughs> but one of the questions I do like to ask folks, um, as we kind of sign off is if there was one message you'd want people to hear, what would that be? That recovery is real, that recovery is possible. And 
at this place now in uh, embracing the Ubuntu philosophy, I have hope for mm-hmm. humanity. I have hope for humanity. If if I could recover, you know, from from an active addiction, I believe that humanity can recover from anything that it's experiencing now. I have hope. Yeah, I believe in I believe in us. Thank you so much, Lori, for being here and sharing of yourself. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you for connecting with us, listeners. Our goal in sharing stories and information is to provide hope and resources to the field of peer recovery. Please join us again next month on Recovery Talk. You can find our episodes on our website, peerrecoverynow.org. That's peerrecoverynow.org or wherever else you find your podcasts. The Peer Recovery Center of Excellence is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration to enhance peer recovery support services by expanding access to training and technical assistance services across the country. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policies of the Department of Health and Human Services, nor does mention of trade names, commercial practices, or organizations imply endorsement by the U.S. government. Talk with you next time.